good morning, everyone. Really lovely to see you this morning. Yeah, has everyone been enjoying the sun this week? No, no bit too hot. Yeah, only when you're in like this, it's, it's the time when everyone goes to the supermarket, right? Because it's the coolest place in the whole town, right? So, yeah, that was the nicest part of my week, so, um, which isn't normally the case. So, um, we are this morning, we're continuing our series on walking with Jesus. So, um, just a bit of background, you know, walking is good for us, right? We know that. I know that's the irony of me saying that when I'm walking up with crutches, but... Walking is good for us physically, it's good for us spiritually. Uh, We see accounts in the Old Testament of where people are talked about as walking with God. So people like Noah, you know, Noah and the flood, all those kind of people. And then in the New Testament, we see how Jesus calls his disciples to him, and they physically walk with him from place to place. Now, we know that Jesus would travel from town to town. He'd go to multiple different places, sometimes in short periods of time. And the only way to really get around was to walk. And so, so much of those, um, those moments that they spent walking from place to place were really important for the disciples in terms of the things that Jesus could impart to them, the, the conversations that would have been had. I'm sure there would have been moments where Jesus would kind of come alongside one of the disciples or one of the other followers, you know, where they would gather together, they talk, they'd be these incredible conversations and really important moments for Jesus to invest in the lives of those who had really led down their lives to follow him. Now, if you've said yes to Jesus this morning, you have also said yes to a life of walking with Jesus. And if you're here and you've not made that decision, I just want to say, firstly, you are so, so welcome. But there there is an invitation for you to do the same, to walk with Jesus today and for the rest of your life. So this morning, we're going to be continuing the series by looking at how we can continue to walk with Jesus through the difficult points in our life. You know, we all face parts in our life that are difficult, aren't we? And what matters, though, is how we react. You know, it can be often easier to walk with Jesus in those mountaintop moments, you know, when everything's good. You know, perhaps um, for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, that maybe that moment of first encountering Jesus... Um, maybe where we have an incredible answer to prayer or when life is just good, you know, and it's a lot easier. But actually, I think when we want to mature, if we want to live the life of abundance that we were made for and to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus, we need to find ways to continue walking with him in the valleys of life, not just the mountaintops. So the passage we're going to read this morning is, um, is taken from Luke 24. And, and this is the, the story of two disciples walking away from Jerusalem towards a place called Emmaus. This is shortly after Jesus has, has died. He's been killed on a cross. This is the guy they've been following, and they've been, they're left heartbroken. They're left heartbroken at what's happened. So why don't you turn with me, if you're able to, to Luke 24. And I'm going to pick it up from verse 13 this morning. Sorry, I'm on 23. That's not going to go as well. So here we go, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with him, with them. This is the risen Jesus. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, so this is Easter Sunday, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? On the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Such a remarkable story, isn't it? Let me just take a sip of it. So, I, but there's this one verse in the middle there. They, they say, it says that they stood still, their faces downcast. So for these two disciples, as they were walking along the road, I don't know if you can imagine this, but they must have felt like the bottom of their world had just fallen out. They had had all their hope crushed when Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, their friend, was crucified, killed brutally on the cross. And in the darkest, most desperate moment of their life, who comes and walks alongside them? But Jesus himself. He comes and walks alongside with them. And this is true for all of us who know Jesus, that even in the darkest moments of our life, Jesus comes and walks alongside us. You might know that famous psalm, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you are with me. You are with me. So regardless of what we're going through, whatever we're bringing into this room today or online, however broken, hurting, or confused we might be, Jesus himself wants to come and walk alongside us. 
So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to walk with Jesus through the valleys of life. Now, if you've lived um, you know, more, for more than a couple of years, which I'm looking around the room, pretty much all of us, you'll know that life isn't always a bed of roses. We have good days, we have bad days. We have seasons where life is sweet, but equally we can experience seasons of depression and brokenness and just stuff happens, doesn't it? Now, I, I want to share quite personally with you today, um, but I want to help us to kind of get, help us to kind of navigate through life, even when we're struggling and when we're finding things difficult. So first of all, I just want to start by asking this question. How might we recognize that we're going through a valley in life? And we're going to look at this passage. So the first thing that I see in this passage is that these two disciples walk away from help. We see this. They take a journey from Jerusalem. So all their friends, the fellow's disciples, are all holed up in a room together. And instead of remaining with them, they take a walk in the opposite direction. And I think when we go through tough times in life, we can easily find ourselves walking away from the very support that we need, if we're honest with ourselves. You know, we choose not to gather with friends. We choose not to come to church. We throw ourselves into our work or some other activity. Perhaps we struggle to leave the house. Perhaps we become immersed in our own struggles. But the best way to walk through the valleys of life is to walk with others. That's why in, in our church family, why we, that's why we encourage everyone to be part of a small group. Reality is that when someone is going through a difficult time, if they're part of a group, we know as a pastoral staff that they're more likely to do well in that moment. But if you're not part of a small group, you don't have a bunch of people looking out for you, checking in on you. And it's so much more difficult for us to help that, find that person the support and the help that they need. So very simply, if you're not in a group, get in a group. Seriously, just do it. Email me. You can email smallgroups at riversidevineyard.com. Email Rob at Riverside Vineyard. There's small group cards available at the back. Or you can go online to the small group page on the website. We can help you connect with a group. And we would love, this is really just a bunch of people that you can do life with. You can ping a message to when you're like, today's a tough one. I need some help today. And if you're someone who thinks, actually, I could lead a new group, you know, we want to create a space for everyone to be part of a group. So come and talk to me at the end or talk, talk to one of the other pastoral staff as well. We'd love to create more space for people to be in groups. So let's I just want to urge you all from the bottom of my heart to connect with others when we find ourselves in difficult moments. If you notice that you're going in the opposite direction, if you're, if you're finding that being around people is too much, check it with yourself and try and draw yourself. Choose to connect with other people. Make sure you've got people around you to check in on you because People care. People want to be able to support, to encourage, and to spur each other, each other on. Now, this passage also shows us that when we go through difficult times, it can even be hard to recognize that Jesus is with us. And perhaps we recognize that in our own lives. When we go through difficult moments, it can be hard to see, where is God? Where is he in all of my struggles? 
So the road to Jerusalem to Emmaus is about seven miles long. We read that in the passage there. So perhaps it's like a two-hour walk, something like that. But these two disciples, they know Jesus. They've walked with him before so many times. But for these two hours, as we read in verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. Now, we can speculate as to why that is. Maybe their eyes were blurred with tears. Uh, maybe Jesus' face was hidden like a cloak, like some kind of Jedi or something. But perhaps Jesus was just wearing his Clark Kent glasses that day. You know, who knows? Who knows? But I think the reality is that in the midst of our pain, we too can be kept from recognizing where Jesus already is. We can so easily miss where he's at work in our own lives because of what we are facing right now. So maybe you're struggling with your finances. Maybe you're worrying about getting a food on your table for your family. Maybe you're worried about a relationship that's becoming increasingly difficult. Perhaps you're suffering with physical pain that's just not going away. Now, if our hearts and our minds are so full of these things, then it's no wonder that we miss recognizing Jesus. The reality is he's there, just wanting us to invite him into our brokenness and into our pain. The disciples didn't recognize Jesus because their heads were so full, I believe, of their own disappointment. And I think when we, re- we experience disappointment in life, we struggle to find any hope. I think the disciples, they missed the significance of all that had just happened when Jesus had died. They'd heard these accounts of Jesus rising from the dead. They explained to Jesus everything that had happened, even those accounts of Jesus rising from the dead, but they still couldn't see the hope that was literally staring at them as they walked along. And I love the way that Jesus calls them out on it. In verse 25, he has this habit of being quite direct speaker. We, don't, we couldn't do that in our lives. If I, if I saw someone being a little bit, you know, come on, come on. He just says, how foolish you are. I don't think I've ever said those words to anybody. But Jesus is so direct, isn't he? How often in our own lives do we make the same mistake? Reality is that even when we don't see it, he is working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He, he never stops working. I really think someone should write a song about that. <laughs> but. Now, I, I want to take some time just to share a little bit personally about some of the, the valleys of life that I'm personally experiencing right now. As I said at the beginning, the irony of me talking about walking with Jesus when I can barely walk out my own front door is really not lost on me. You know, I'm someone who really enjoys being active, or at least I used to. <laughs> Two years ago, I, I, I cycled a lot, I walked a lot, and in fact, it was when we were walking on holiday, and I've got a photo of just before the moment where I injured my ankle um, in August 2020, um, and, um, and it's just like, and, and ever since then, I've had pain in, in my ankle, so I haven't been able to do all the things that I've been used to do. So for me, one of one of my primary ways of walking with Jesus and with others was by being active. So by walking with other people or walking on my own. Um, I, I just, I'm one of those people that when I get out into creation, you know, you see like the hills or the sea or 
you know, those kind of things. And it just kind of, it draws me closer to God because, partly because I realize how small and insignificant I am. But it's just that sense of wonder that I have when I'm in those places. And I do the same thing on my bike, but when I went out on my bike, it would also clear my head. It would de-stress me. So any frustrations that had built up, jump on my bike, and by the time I got back, I was like, this is good. So for these past two years, none of that has been possible for me. And I found it really, really hard. I've had to find kind of new ways to de-stress. And as my family will tell you, that's sometimes been a challenge. And new ways to encounter Jesus as well. So things like reading the Bible have always been important, but it's like, it has to be my go-to thing now. It's like, you know, it's, it's it, what else do I have? You know, spiritual exercises, things like just examine, like examining, reflecting on what's gone on during the day, seeing where God has been at work. These kind of things have been really helpful. Worship, you know, just sticking worship music on, on my headphones or, or, you know, on the speakers and just just immersing myself and allowing myself to encounter Jesus every day, starting from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. You know, I can't easily leave the house without the help of others. Um, So things like watching a movie can be about the best thing that I can do. Sticking on something that's beautifully shot, um, it helps me to kind of that sense of wonder that I used to have from going out and seeing, you know, beautiful places. Um, Things like reading, reading books, you know, reading novels. I've read more, I think, in the last couple of years than I ever have because I just need to kind of experience that kind of wonder in a different way. Um, sitting in the garden if it's warm enough, which clearly has been warm enough for the last few days. So those kind of things and just being able to switch off. But still, it's been incredibly hard. There have been good days, but there have also been a lot of bad days. I found it really tough. Um, and, and then for us as a family, over these last few months, we've had to deal with an incredibly difficult family situation, um, and in many ways, much tougher than sort of dealing with my ankle. My ankle's just an ankle, isn't it? Um, now, I was already pretty reliant upon, upon, upon others to get out of the house, but over these past few, few months, if I'm honest, I've been almost paralyzed from doing anything that brings me joy. And that sounds really depressing, and I'm not just saying this just to, for a bit of sympathy. I'm saying it because I just want you to hear that we all go through these moments in life, uh, and it's okay. You know, I got to the point a few weeks back where I just couldn't, I, I, just, I just felt this depression coming on me, and, and, I, and I just couldn't lift it. Like normally, I'd just be able to kind of well, jump on my bike <laughs> or go for a walk or do something different, but I couldn't, I couldn't leave the house. So there was nothing. I just felt completely helpless. Um, and the next day I woke up much the same, and I realized I just couldn't carry on living like this for the sake of myself or for my family. Um, I just had to do something about it. Now, I don't know, maybe this is a man thing. I'm not very good at asking for help or prayer. In fact, I'm shocking at it. I'm really, really appalling at it. And I don't know if you, if you can resonate this, but for me, I would just carry on regardless. You carry on doing the things that need to be done. You just fill your head with other things, do stuff. Um, and I talked to Kathy, who, who could already see how much I was struggling with, with, with everything that was going on. I spoke to my boss as well, so that was good. That's, he sat on the front row. I've got quite a helpful boss, so that's quite helpful. So Andy, thank you. We, we, all, know, we all know Andy as, as a pastor, and, and we love him. 
but I, I honestly have the privilege of calling him a boss and a friend as well. And so he was so incredibly understanding in all, all of this. So I already had a couple of days off. Um, I managed to stretch that to nearly 10 days. I managed to, you know, we had a video talk the other week. That was because I couldn't, I, did, I, I just needed to take that pressure off. And so Andy was really gracious in all of that. And it just meant I had 10 days to switch off. The out of office was on. There was no peeking at emails. I, 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 I muted multiple WhatsApp conversations. So apologies if I didn't get back to you for a while. Um, and, and we also have a whole bunch of people that have been praying for us. We asked them to really step up in that moment. And I know that some of the intercessors here have been praying for us too. So thank you so much. You know, there are times in life where we can't pray the prayers that we need to pray for ourselves, but there are others who can for us. And that's so important. And finally, I did something that I've never done before. I went to the doctor and I said, I need help. Never done that before. He talked things through with me. He referred me to get some help. And he also put me on some medication. And all of those things have really helped. The situation hasn't changed, but I can see God at work. I can see how I'm, I'm remaining calm when I'd usually, usually be frustrated and angry, like supernaturally calm. I don't know what's, what's come over me. I'm, I find I'm laughing a bit more than I was a couple of weeks ago. I'm having, I feel like I'm a better dad, you know, like I'm having more quality time with my boys, which is incredible. You know, even when I don't see it, he is working. I said, I don't, I'm not sharing this for sympathy. I, I share this to give encouragement to all those suffering in the quiet. For all of you experiencing pain, for all of you dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with broken relationships. And I share this with all the men who are struggling. It's okay to see, say, I need help. You are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. And you know, it doesn't have to stay this way either. So how do we keep going? And I'm just going to share four quick ways, and then we're going to spend some time praying for one another. The first thing I want to say is notice where Jesus is already at work. We see how the disciples, they didn't recognize Jesus. Even though their hearts were burning, they didn't realize he was there. But they reflected back later, and they could see, wow, our hearts were burning in those moments. So even with all the evidence in front of them, they still couldn't believe what had actually happened. So I just want to encourage you, take time to stop and notice where he is at work. Take time to count your blessings. Be thankful, be grateful for even the little things. The fact that you've got out of bed in the morning, that might be the biggest win, and that's okay. The fact that you've got breath in your lungs, the fact that you've been able to brush your teeth or jump in the shower. Sometimes it's those little things even you just need to give thanks for. Ask Jesus to make you aware of where he's at work in your life. Secondly, keep walking with others. Don't, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but for many of us, maybe we used to be part of a church every week. I think many of us have allowed that to slip. As a pastor, can I urge you to walk with life through others, eat with other people. Even those two disciples, they may have been in heading in the wrong, wrong direction, but they still had each other, didn't they? So don't walk on your own. Find a buddy. Be part of a small group. 
Go to men's events, women's events. Invite people into doing, sharing life with you. And if you've got lots of people around you, there may be others who need someone to come alongside them. So who are you noticing that needs someone to walk alongside them? Who can you bless in this, if you're going through a better period of time? And if nothing else, just keep walking. Keep going when things don't immediately get better. Keep going when it's hard. Keep going when God feels distant. I think this story is, is almost like an antidote to the instant culture, to our expectation that things will immediately be fixed. The two disciples had walked seven miles. They had dinner with Jesus. And it's only as they then share communion with him that they encounter him and things change. So much so that they sprint back to Jerusalem. Now, what would have happened if they'd have given up after the first 20 minutes? You know, sometimes following Jesus is just about keeping on, keeping on. Even in the valleys of life. Even when our feet are blistered. And our limbs are weary. And more than anything, and this is the most important thing, hold on to Jesus. Because he's the one who makes sense of it all. As he opened up the scriptures, as he shared bread and wine, it all began to make sense in the disciples' hearts. Their hearts were stirred. So when we go through life, we are going to face mountaintops. But we're also going to walk through the valley. For many of us, it's in the valleys that we fall away and struggle to reach those heights again. But if we keep plugging on, if we keep holding on to Jesus, we will see breakthrough. 